the Monday Rewind. There, Kieran Joyce, but he was locked down. But Kenny managed to work it through again. Killian Buckley, long, high diagonal ball again into the full forward line. Porrick Manning gets a touch of the ball, hits the deck, Hanbury pulls under the ball, gets it out to the midfield sector, out to Andy Smith. Andy Smith needs to measure this one. Long, high ball in. Joe Canning is on his way inside the defence. Joe Canning is caught in. Oh, what a goal! What a goal! Magical goal! He's facing the goal as the ball was coming in over his head. He turned and he caught it in one sublime movement. Turned and finished it to the net. Connor is as good a goal as you'll see. As good as goal as you'll ever see. In fairness, John Hanbury flicked the ball out here to Andy Smith. Andy Smith worked that ball high in. I just said Joe Canning has the chance here. His own man was in there. Jackie Terrell was covering his side. Caught the ball almost down at his left knee. And in the quick and in the blink of an eye, flashed it into the net. Brilliant, brilliant goal by goal. That brings him right back into the game. Killian Buckley gets the pass back from John Power. Killian Buckley high. He goes to the wrong side of the post and wide. Joe Canning, what a goal. Welcome to the Monday Rewind. I'm Raf Giello, stepping in for Oshin Langan. You can get in touch at Oshin Langan or at Raftastico on Twitter. The sound you just heard there was a brilliant goal from Joe Canning, uh, which was enough for Galway to beat Kilkenny in the Leinster Hurland final. You'll hear post-match analysis from ex-tip star Owen Kelly and Kilkenny great DJ Carey shortly. And Oshin also spoke to Irish MMA fighter Chris the Killing Fields ahead of the McGregor Mendez fight. But before we get to the Hurland, let's start with a big match in the football. The Munster final between Kerry and Cork was live and off the ball and it turned out to be a brilliant match filled with controversy and a last gasp equaliser for the kingdom. Ushin was commentating on that game and he got the reaction from Kerry manager Eamon Fitzmaurice but first his Cork counterpart Brian Cuthbert. We didn't win the game. Um, that game was there to be won. We didn't win the game. We're very disappointed. But at the same time, there's a sense of uh, pride and performance and, and, and you know, the players battled very, very well in the second half and played good football. And I would have felt did enough to win it, but we just unfortunate. You probably have to watch this game back maybe seven, eight times to actually get a sense of it. It's all just a blur at the moment, but... Talk to me about the roller coaster nature of it because in the first 20 minutes, Kerry started pretty well, um, or you started pretty well, Cork got back into it, and then at the start of the second half, you really turned it on and won a lot of breaking ball. And there's actually so much noise around, we've had to move into a different room and now go on. Yeah, look, the, the game, like, like all months, the finals here, they, they, they seem to have been flowing. You have your period on, so you just need to make sure you're, you're managing it when, when you have it. And I would have felt that when we were on top, we actually played good football. When they were on top, we actually gave them too much space. So, um, you know, disappointed with a couple of things that didn't work for us, but happy with other things. But, um, you know, I suppose the overriding emotion is that uh, it was a game to be won. What did work? What didn't work? I suppose look, look at the scoreline. In fact, we, I think we scored, was it 3-12 or 3-13? I don't know he what it was. scored 3-12, uh, he scored 2-15. Yeah. So, look, uh, from an attacking point of view, we obviously, uh, we did quite fine. But defensively, score, uh, giving away 2-15 is not great, but one or two of those goals were quite fortuitous. Being kind. The penalty is a massive talking point. I can see by the look in your face that it's not a decision you're cracked about. No, absolutely not. Like from, I haven't seen it yet, but from where I was looking at it, I don't know. I don't know how it could be a penalty, but that's the decision that's had to be taken. Have you answered questions today, or did you have to win it to do that? We had to win to, to do that, to be honest, Sheen, and we have to go again and try and win again to do that, and until we do win. We're not going to be happy. Physically, did you stand up today? Was that another difference? I mean, you played fantastic football. Lots of guys running for the ball, showing, taking it off the shoulder. Barry O'Driscoll's goal summed that up perfectly. But, but physically-wise, did you stand up? Were you, were you the required level of, of cynical or not nice today that people have said that you haven't been? We were, we were physical and we contested the ball, which you'd expect in the final. I thought we did 
that part of our game wasn't an issue. Um, but I would have felt that uh, you know, a couple of times they coughed up easy ball, that they got easy scores off. But other than that, um, I'm very, very proud of the players, very, very proud of their efforts. But they're, you know, they know they need to come here again and do the same again and, and, and a bit more. Finally, for me, is it going to be tough to raise the players because you were in a position where you could have and probably should have won it and it feels maybe like a loss, a, a draw in Killarney and oh, that, you know, it's a good result to come to Killarney and get a draw but the fact is you haven't won here in a while, it's been thrown at you and you had it in your hand. Mm, we absolutely did and like time was up and, you know, we, 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 we defended the way that we did I thought it was the right thing to do um, and the kick, fortunately, fortunately enough, went over the bar but I think... You know, you, you look at the game in, in its totality, not just that last one or two minutes. And I think, you know, in terms of chances we created, in terms of ch- in comparison to chances Kerry created, I think there was one team. But having said that, um, you know, they're, they're, they take the place again. We know we play them again, and and then we're looking forward to it. Thanks. What's the feeling after that one? Relief. Um, we're lucky to be still in the Munster Championship, and um, delighted to have another another chance to have a cut at it again on Saturday week. Very inconsistent from your team today. Why was that? I don't know. It's difficult to put our finger on it now. Straight away after the game, we'll go back, we'll look at it. Um, certainly have plenty to improve on between now and uh, Saturday week. But, um, you know, I think to be fair to the lads, they deserve a lot of credit as well that they kept at it at the end and we barely got a draw out of it. It seemed to be going right for you from, we'll say, minute 20 in the first half. You took over. Then at the start of the second half, Cork kind of bustled their way into it and it took a contentious penalty for you to make your way back into the game. First of all, tell me about your form in, in those periods that I mentioned and secondly, what did you make of the penalty? Um, I think we needed the penalty. Um, you know, I think there's question marks over whether it was a soft penalty or not. I couldn't really see from where I was in the sideline but um, I think we were lucky to get it because if we didn't, uh, we'd have probably struggled to have got back uh, you know, level with Cork and I think James showed great composure to stick it. But um, yeah, there was, look, I mean, I think... There's no surprise to me that Cork had dominance for certain periods of the game. You know, there seems to be this perception out there that Cork were just going to come down and roll over, you know, all the negativity that was surrounding them last week. But I think hopefully that's blown out of the water now because people saw what they're like, their true worth, and, um, you know, what we knew they were going to be like. So no huge surprise to me that uh, Cork were the way they were and that they had periods of dominance and that they got scores when they were dominant. You made big calls regarding your team selection. Do you think in retrospect, and I know it's easier, easy to talk in retrospect, that they worked? Um, some did, some didn't. So, you know, we've... we've uh, like I said, now we have until Saturday week to get ourselves right again and have a look at um, you know the way lads are going in training. Have a look at uh, you know the calls, whether they work today. Have a look at whether lads impacted when they came in and so on. So there's a lot, you know, there's a lot there and there's a lot to to, to go through between now and Saturday week. But um, the bottom line is we're we're just delighted to be still there. What did work and what didn't? <laughs> You're giving me a right grilling now, Oshin. I don't know. It could have been worse. It could have been woolly. <laughs> well, we could have been beaten. Yeah. Um, you know, like we, we conceded a big score, we scored a big score. So, you know, I think um, outside of that, it's hard to say straight away now what did or didn't work. Um, we look at it, we yeah. go back over it, and we'll try and get things right for the next day. Was Colin fit? He looked a little bit off when he came on, even though he got a cracker of a point. No, he's fully fit. He's fully fit. Um, you know, I think just... It coincided with a period when Cork were on top in the middle of the field and we were going the other way, so it was hard to get him on ball. But uh, no, he's fully fit, he's fine. And you're back here in two weeks, that's an advantage, obviously, you're at home. 
Well, um, it wasn't much of an advantage today, but uh, it is. I mean, it's great to be back here. I mean, it was a fantastic occasion, full house, great atmosphere there, and both uh, both teams really went at it. So um, I imagine it'll be the same on Saturday week, and there probably won't be a kick of a ball between the teams again at the end. That was Eamon Fitzmaurice, and just before that was Brian Cuthbert. Oshin also got the word from one of the players, Cork's Mark Collins. Mark Collins of Cork, what's the feeling after that? Small bit of a mixed emotions to be honest, Oshin. You know, we probably point up going into injury time, you feel that you might be able to close out the job and weren't able to do it and a small bit of disappointment. But we're very proud of the way we played and we've taken a lot of confidence from today and you know there's another job to be done in two weeks' time and hopefully we can finish it off. Four down at the break, but you were five down. What was it the talk at half time? Because he played well for the bulk, but then Kerry got a bit of a run. Yeah, started well, started super, one one up early and maybe let Kerry back into and you know our intensity dropped 10-15 minutes before half time and we conceded 4-5 on the track Brian Sheen kicked a couple of super frees and you know we came in at half time after playing with the wind and 4 down you know there might have been a bit of negativity or whatever but there wasn't one bit of that in the dressing room we had plenty of confidence in the dressing room and the management gave us a, a bit of a boost saying that we were still well in it and you know we came out after half time firing at all cylinders What about your game plan today you didn't give too much away and you got the scores required you seem to have found that balance between defence and attack it's a balance that you've kind of struggled to find particularly in big games in, in recent seasons yeah exactly we've obviously after after Parky Cueve last year we felt we went man for man and maybe it didn't work we were left wide open but you know we tried to set up a bit more defensively because we know if we can if we can keep the scores down at the end we have the boys up top who, who will finish it off and um you know, you, you know, today probably was our best performance out of us as a defensive unit, and you know, hopefully we can do the same. Is there frustration that you couldn't see at home? Uh, a small bit of frustration, but it's more disappointment than anything. You know, like we feel like we didn't lose it ourselves. That you know, we were a point up going into injury time, and you know, in fairness, they carried, they kicked a super score and kept at it. We didn't throw it away, and you know, we'll come again. What did you make of the carry penalty? Um, it was obviously myself involved in it, and I felt the ball broke between Owen Cadigan and Kieran Donny, and I felt I got to the ball first and it broke away between myself and another Kerry player the whistle just went and was surprised that it was a penalty given to be honest I asked Potter Hughes after he said it was for me pulling my man back but a lot of disappointment with it but you get these decisions I suppose Have you proved doubters wrong? Have you answered questions? And I'm thinking particularly of the comments made by one of your own former players James Masters and of course the Muscle Shea formerly of Kerry uh, like We didn't take much out of those comments we were obviously you know we've obviously left a lot of people down over the last couple of years we've disappointed in Munster Fine last year and in the league final this year and you know we to prove to ourselves more than anyone else and you know we didn't finish off the job today so you know with two weeks again should we have to perform again and it's back here you don't have a great record of winning here but you've drawn a couple of games and as we've seen you can come up with performances here did it two years ago did it again this year yeah we've absolutely no fear coming down here we were really looking forward to today we knew there was a big game in us and you know I think we performed brilliantly today and we can do it again in two weeks time Mark thanks very much thanks really Noshi James Horan and Off the Walls Colin Parkinson were also in Killarney and here's their immediate post-match analysis with Joe Malloy. Of ...trying to win the game and I, I thought Kerry were hanging on and got a couple of lucky breaks with Donny's goal and the penalty and, and that kept them in the game and, and, and in fairness to them on the scraps that they were living on you know they, they, they scored 2.15 to draw a Munster final. Which is incredible I mean like even the Gooch who was not himself today clearly even he popped up and kicked that beauty with his right foot but I mean he looked like a fella you said at one point in the commentary his legs look heavy he looked he looked peripheral through a lot of it. Yeah and, and, and there was a couple of balls that 
you know, he's in that sort of space where, you know, those hand passes coming to him and they were a little bit off and they were a little bit, and he's not just quite getting to it. And sometimes that happens when you're not quite on the game yourself because your turning or your movement isn't as sharp as it, as it usually is. But uh, look, the, the, the spin-out will do him the world of good today and he'll be better better for it. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's talking down here, lads. We'll have to blame Tom O'Shea maybe for that one that, <laughs> well. you know, they're... They're definitely keeping their powder dry for the for the replay. They want any fuel adding fuel to the fire. What an unbelievable game. Oh, what incredible. a fantastic, fantastic game. Like, you know, two fifteen to three twelve. This is what it's all about. Like brilliant brilliant goals. Um, you know, brilliant, brilliant play, brilliant forward play, brilliant man-on-man defending as well. So Because I was know, gonna say it was like the defending wasn't necessarily bad either. No, well that's the thing, and that, you know it's it's proper man-on-man defending, which is bloody hard. I tell you that much. And with the quality of forwards that are on show today, it's not easy, you know. And it's it's almost like you see uh, Higgins from Mayo last year t- did really well on James O'Donoghue, but still conceded something like you know whatever one six or one seven. But he still did well on him. It's yeah. Sometimes these forwards you just can't contain them, but you you can match you can match them in a, in a lot of areas. You know, so, and 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 that's it, Willie. You know, man-on-man defending is, is a brave way to go, and you you know you're backing you're backing yourself as a defender and sometimes it'll win you games but sometimes it could cost you games but but you know that's the decision you you, you make but but today there was some fantastic defending out there like Mark O'Shea um, overall was very very good Peter Crowley in the first half um, you know there was a lot of defending all over the field I thought James Lockery for a lot of the, a lot of the game was very very good very tight yeah you know Shane Enright there was a lot of guys that, that displayed the real great elements of, of, of defending so it was great to see it out there and the game ebbed and flowed and it was relentless in its pace and movement you didn't quite know what was happening the pattern of the game was a little bit open there was goals and points and excellent finishing um, so an absolute cracking game and, and a joy to watch Jesus Col- Colm O'Neill though lads he had a 45 to, yeah. to win and 45s are not out of his Killer. range you know and it really killed the game and not only did he not he didn't even kick it dead and it took a black card for Colm O'Driscoll to stop the counter attack so he yeah, Cuthbert was absolutely livid walking out, walking out into the field. You know, he well, w- he went towards the referee, Wooly. You might not have seen that, but on television pictures, certainly Cuthbert went right for the referee. Wasn't happy with right. him. I'm yeah, not sure. I'm not sure what he, what exactly he was complaining, um, what decision he was complaining I, about. I'd say if you were a Cork supporter though, and you looked at that game, you'd feel a little bit hard done by by some of the decisions. You know, I thought there was a couple of 45s. I thought the penalty. Yeah. I thought there was one or two things that were that kept Kerry in the game because. Cork did all the playing today and uh, still just ended up with a draw, you know. So, so uh, I can understand Brian because we're being a little bit frustrated, but but he needs to just get his players in, and it's you know it's half time in the Munster final now, and you know they just need to get ready for the replay, and and nothing else matters, or you know how you feel, or if you feel aggrieved or whatever it is, that's all irrelevant now. You just get your players back in and you start working and preparing for the next game. It's a huge chance for them there, though, wasn't it, James? You know, because you look at Kerry's bench, and will Kerry be the same the next day? Geeney, Paul Geeney will probably start. You know, he he did very well when he came on you know um, Anthony Marr the Gooch could start with a little bit more into his legs Darren O'Sullivan came on you'd imagine Kerry will be better the next day um, I think a little bit of overconfidence from Kerry today you know with the players they left on the bench um, yeah, it's almost like we can come out and beat them without our, without our full full strength team and they were almost they were almost, hang ca- on. they were almost caught you say that like looking at the Gooch there he wasn't the, f- he w- he didn't des- the Gooch didn't deserve to start today Will yeah well maybe not yeah. even talking about the Gooch but Paul Geeney definitely okay. st- definitely deserves to start you know and you, you look at um, Anthony Maher why can't he start Brian Sheen maybe at centre forward I, I'm not sure that was uh, Kerry's full team not definitely the Gooch because I think from the Gooch's cameo 
you know, Eamon Fitzmaurice was maybe proved right. You know, Paul Murphy's coming back from injury, but he's back fit. Why wasn't he starting? You know, there's cert- certain um, fellas you would like to... Yeah. I- I'd be very surprised if they're not starting the next day. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 I, I would say you will definitely see Kerry's best team, if, if, if you like, in the next game, because they'll have learned an awful lot from today, and that, the Kerry management after today will be absolutely livid, because Kerry were poor today. Um, poor as regards their attitude and work rate I would say for, from a number of their players they, they didn't put in the effort that Cork put in Cork were exemplary and every single man really stood up and went at it and hit their men and, and Cork dominated a lot of the one-on-one battles and, and, and uh, you know Kerry won't be happy with that in, in their home patch Cork coming over here and, yeah. and bossing them around the place so uh, you know uh, Eamon took, took risks with the team decision today absolutely no question about that but uh, he's certainly you know he got out of jail yeah. uh, he'll certainly have learned a lot and, and I, I think you'll see uh, Kerry learn an awful lot from today and, and come out a different team in the, in the replay There was qualifier action as well and we had Cavan v Roscommon live and off the ball with the away side scoring three goals on the way to winning at Breffney Park in this clip that's coming up Roscommon manager John Evans is really calm post-match as you can tell very very clearly that they just didn't perform and uh, God, we, the following day we were there at 8 o'clock every single last one of us. These guys have oh, wanted to play football. Terry Highland coming over to great, congratulate John. great pride in themselves and it's a passionate county and there's a lot of S-H-I-T-E said about us during the week. Not one bit of it through. We're a unified bunch. We've got a few bad injuries and can you imagine missing your full back, centre back, midfielder, centre forward and full forward and come out and still play like that. These guys, they're, they're young lads that want to play and I've and the old fellas as well of course. So, hey, Roscommon is alive and kicking. We're glad to get into the next round and look, Putting up 317, not bad either. No, excellent. And particularly starting the, you know, you're obviously anxious, anxious coming into a game after a defeat, but you really started the game, even though there was a bit of, you know, some wayward shooting, but you really started the game with such a positive mentality and great motivation. Hey, yeah, well, no, as well as that, in fairness, they, they hit us with a goal in the right at the start, and uh, it did knock us out of our stride. We came right down the field and put it over the bar, and look, that's the football we want to play. It's a tough game, and fair play to Cavan now, to be fair. They had 14 men in the second half. They fought tooth and nail, but they really, really have a tight defence and very hard to get through. I'd say that we'll have to look at our turnovers or something like that. But, look, I'm just happy for the enthusiasm for the effort the lads put in, for staying loyal to each other. There was not one guy went for America or England or anywhere else. And that's what we're about. We're about developing. And look, we're going to get a few knocks along the road again. And I just hope that the people and the supporters of, of, of Roscommon will just hope, be patient with these boys because we really mean to do to do ourselves justice. Yeah, you're calling for the supporters to you know give some support to these players, but you must be very happy. You mentioned yourself the blend that you have between older guys and young fellas, but some of the contributions today by some of the young players like Harney and the Murtis and the Smiths, it was really fantastic. And players like that, young players, when they get confidence, you know the sky's the limit of what they can achieve. Well, these guys have been hurt themselves losing finals and semi-finals, but we told them, I told them today that look, and the management told them that we trust them. We trust these young fellas. And Alton Harney and Inda Smith, they're, they're, they're so young. I think Inda's under 21 again next year, as far as I know. But, you know, Dermot Murta going in there. But Kieran Murta, all those guys were under 21. And, God, they're rising to it. They're, they're really growing. And it's about, about trusting them and putting them out there. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and where can you go from here? Because, you know, like I didn't talk about Roscommon at the start of the year has been a team that can make the last, last eight. Today will give you a lot of confidence to try and go and achieve something like that. Well, look, it'll get us to next Saturday. And that's all we're worried about at the moment. Good man, thanks John. Best luck. Good stuff from John Evans. The little interruption there was uh, Terry Highland, the manager of Cavan, coming over to congratulate him. Fair play to Terry because that was very sporting.
That was Roscommon manager John Evans spelling out a few things. Well, particularly one word. Uh, now let's turn our attention to the hurling. Galway put up a fight, but Kilkenny still came out on top to win Leinster. And afterwards, DJ Carey and Owen Kelly gave their take on the game with off the balls Nathan Murphy. Every time Galway lose a game, there's only really two storylines, it seems, that they were inconsistent or that they didn't get the best out of Joe Canning and they were overly reliant on him. They're going into the All-Ireland quarterfinals now. You look at the four teams left in the qualifiers. You've got Clare, Limerick, Cork and Dublin. What's your assessment on Galway at this stage? I think I still think um, they're going in the right direction. I mean, I think I think Joe had a good day. You know, he could do he only could do what what he could do with the with the ball that was coming in. And you know, I mean, any day you score, what did he get like a, a goal and eight points? I think was you know that's a fair return. I think it, it it's the rest of the forwards have to take on a bit of responsibility and and say, look, we need we need to chip in with more. I mean, Cahillmanian, you know, came in with a big reputation after his performance against Dublin. But I mean, that was the match where they were completely dominant uh, mm. in terms of possession out the. And the ball that was being played in um, was was ideal. It was bouncing right in front of him. He was collecting it and taking on his. You know, uh, he was already halfway through it past his man. Whereas today was a different ball game. He had Paul Murphy right up beside him. You know, muscling out a ball and likewise on the other side, Davy Glenn. You know, Jackie had his number and you know they, they weren't able to deal with it. You know, and um, that's been that's been a problem. And that's something they have to address. You know, yeah. because you know what you get from Jonathan Glynn and you know what you get from Cyril Donnellan. They're two good, honest players, and they'll win possession there for you. But it, they're looking for the scores coming inside. So, I think that's where they'll they'll have to focus on. Um, you know, in general, in the backs, okay, they'll have David Collins to come back, and you know, I don't think any of their backs were. were you know, you know, really taken to the clean. I think they, I think they have a, a reasonably solid platform. Um, okay, John John Hanbury was taken off. Um, it was a step up for him, but but in general, I think the, I think the, the real uh, key for them is, is to try and get a better distribution of the scores. But look, yeah. they still they still could have a say, to say a big say in this championship yet. But yeah. uh, Brian, I I think w- one of the things I actually think Galway are pretty much getting as much as they can out of Joe Canning. I mean, yeah. anyone that comes off the field yeah. with one eight or one nine or and you know one two three four that is is from play they're getting they're pretty much getting the maximum if you look at today's game you will look at it and say well maybe Owen Larkin was out of it but when we really needed Owen Larkin he chipped in with three or four yeah, points yeah, yeah. Richie Hogan stepped up when he was moved to midfield so the the, the thing the, like if we take Kenny on today's uh, and Galway we look at it and say well these guys the Kenny guys seem to be if they're off their game a little bit they can be moved uh, they can win ball in different places they can score from different places they're not set as corner forwards or full forwards or centre forwards they actually can move anywhere and I think ultimately I don't think that Kenny have a really really strong panel yeah. but yet the players if they're not going great they will be moved and shifted whereas I don't think Galway have the same uh, room for, for that That was DJ and Owen on Kilkenny's win over Galway now, let's look ahead to the things to come this week. Staying with Hurling, it's Munster's turn to produce a provincial champion at the weekend when Waterford and Tipperary go head-to-head. Oisin previewed the game with former tip goalkeeper Ken Hogan. Waterford and Tipperary, uh, I suppose all the expectancy is on tip. They are in good form. They're at home, but Waterford have really shown some great form this season. Yeah, Waterford have been the real impressive team in this uh, year's campaign so far. Great league campaign, I suppose, Tipperary had their sights set on winning the league. Oshin um, went down in you know in a very confident mood in Olin Park and uh, I suppose realistically you know Tipper hit with a storm particularly in the second half. Um, Waterford had a very good game plan you know played a number of players behind the ball were very fit and also of course uh, finished the game very strongly so I think Tipper <coughs> shell-shocked really you know 
they were out of the league. Waterford got through to the league final. And again, I suppose we're, we're underdogs against Cork. And now they're league champions and have <coughs> vindicated their position by beating Cork again in a Munster semi-final. So it's all to play for now in a sellout in, in Simple Stadium. Tip caught Limerick early on for goals. The way Waterford play, it doesn't look like they're going to get caught that early. And even if they do, they seem to have the confidence to be able to steady the ship. Yeah, that has happened on a number of occasions now to Waterford. You know, they have gone four or five points behind and they don't seem to be phased by it at all. Um, Derek McGray obviously has, and his backroom team, have set up a situation where this team don't do panic. And I suppose the hallmark of every great team, particularly when you think of Kilkenny and their success, is that they never do panic. And uh, I suppose Tipperary have, you know, set their stall out against Limerick. We had been beaten for two years in a row and we needed you know, to beat Limerick. I think we did that in a fairly convincing fashion, bar a blip early on in the second half. I think, uh, you know, the Munster final stage is a different occasion. It's a different animal. And of course, it's a huge occasion for a, a, a huge number of younger Waterford players. So I think uh, Tipperary will definitely set out to unnerve Waterford, um, particularly from the point of view that obviously we have a fairly potent forward line. Yeah. But we need to break down that system. And I'm sure Eamon O'Shea will spend a lot of his time you know, and his management team has spent a lot of time uh, discussing that and how they're going to, you know, make the spaces, open up the pockets for the Tipperary forwards, you know, to revel in, in Simple Stadium. Two of the teams, or the two teams, I should say, are missing their maestros. Obviously, Porik Mahoney was missing for the court game. He was injured before that. They won it without him. Tipperary missing Noel McGrath beat Limerick without him. But those two players... The longer these two teams go in the championship, and obviously no matter what happens on Sunday, they both have another chance, they both have a back door. They're going to be big losses, aren't they? Huge losses, you know, and, you know, Noel McGrath is, of course, part of, of Eamon O'Shea's game plan. You know, he plays a free roll out around the middle of the field, he sprays the ball around, he's brilliant vision, you know, can pick out players. Of course, Park Comani's uh, free-taking, you know, all this year was unerring and it's hugely unfortunate both players are missing two top class players fantastic skill and uh, great attitude to the game but I, I just think that we have uh, an opportunity now to see a young Waterford vibrant Waterford team and I'm sure Derek will be emphasising to Waterford nothing to lose we can go out of this for Tip it's a different situation Oshin, because um, we're going the direct route this year. All club games were cancelled last weekend, okay. which is which is relatively unfamiliar, you know, in, in Tipperary. They've only played one competitive game in quite some time, a lot of these players, and a lot of guys who come off the bench have had very little hurling. Yeah, very little hurling, and um, they have their side, we have our sights set probably on getting to the Holler in the semi-final. Yeah. We need to go the direct route, really. We had a very tiring, tough campaign, you know, last year, and obviously nothing to show for it. We need something tangible. And to win a Munster Championship for us would be a huge boost going into the All-Ireland campaign. So from that point of view, you know, it's all ours to win, you know. Um, but having said that, Waterford are going to come, nothing to lose. Huge interest in the game, you know, a sellout uh, crowd. Terrorist tickets are even being snapped up at, 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 you know, a phenomenal rate. So from that point of view, hopefully it'll be a great occasion. Obviously, it's going to be a huge test for the younger Waterford team. What's your prediction? Uh, my prediction is that people will say, you know, and it's easy being flippant, you know, with remarks like, ah, Tipple win it, you know, they have the experience and this type of thing. I think Derry McGrath set up a very formidable outfit here. But having said that, you know, the way Tip forward line is moving and the way we can produce scores and if we can get uh, the Brendan Mahers into, into scoring situations out of the field, he's well capable of picking pints off. I think it's going to be a high scoring game, but 
goals from our point of view if we can notch one or two it'll probably take us over the line and finally it's the one many have been waiting for well more accurately the one they had been waiting for until Aldo picked up a rib injury and Chad Mendes stepped into the breach Conor McGregor is aiming for the interim UFC featherweight title when he takes on the American in Las Vegas on Saturday night Oshin caught up with Irish MMA fighter Chris the Killing Fields who trains with McGregor and Cahill Pendred first off Conor how, how tall are you buddy? Five foot nine. All right, I'm five six. You're five four at least. Three, three inches taller than me, buddy. <laughs> five foot four at least. You should stand up because we can barely yeah. see you on the screen. <laughs> yeah. All right, Connor. When I look at Connor, Connor's a big talker. Connor, Connor's brought so much attention to this division, so much, so much attention to the UFC recently. He talked his way all the way up to the top. When I look at Connor, I see dollar signs in my bank account. You know, Connor. I match up horrible for this guy. Connor, Connor, do you know what wrestling is? I can rest my balls on your forehead. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So So there you have it, McGregor and uh, Mendez. They've got a bit of previous regards verbal uh, fights. Um, It turns into a real fight next weekend in Las Vegas. Chris, the Killing Fields, joins us now. Chris, obviously a former Cage Warriors middleweight champion. You've got a big event coming up as well in Dublin. Uh, we'll talk more about that later on. And you'll be in Cahill Pendred's corner because it's a big weekend for him coming up. And we will talk a bit more about Cahill in a few minutes. But, Chris, it's an unusual one for McGregor because I guess he thought he was going to be fighting Aldo. It is Mendes. And he's a very different type of fighter, isn't he? He is. He's he's um, almost a polar opposite. Um, he's an American wrestler. Kind of uh, has a. He's an all American wrestler. I think he's an NCAA, um, maybe Division One. And um, so that's that's like their that's that's the the best league you can be in as a wrestler in in college in America. But um, I think you know it's it's not going to be a big problem for Cole. I think or for uh, Connor. I think. Um, they were kind of preparing like that Aldo might start looking for the takedown in the fight after he kind of felt early on that the striking wasn't going his way. So I think preparation has been against a wrestler or someone trying to wrestle it. And I think, like from my knowledge of Conor, or someone I've trained with for many years, he doesn't really prepare for an opponent. He just kind of looks to improve himself during, you know, all the months coming up to the fight camp and then just does the fight camp the same, just up the intensity a bit. Is that dangerous or is that the way to go? Because opponents change, styles change, you're not quite sure what and who you'll be up against. Even if you know months out who your opponent will be, maybe they can they can change their style and pull a trick out that you haven't seen before. So is preparing like that the way to go? I, I do think so. I think it's 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 a healthier way. It's uh, like a healthier way for you because like focusing on like another person for three, four months straight, it kind of, I, I, I did that earlier in my career, you know, and it kind of just gets into your head. It's like, that's all you think about all day, every day is that person. You've watched so much tape on them. You've watched, you know, you've just, like, like people have been mimicking them in the gym and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So they kind of, it's all consuming. And I find a lot of times with fighters, they spend so much time trying to avoid something happening in the fight that it almost happens immediately. <laughs> they they almost go to it because they spend so much time, like, say, for instance, if he'd have worked on defensive wrestling, he almost invites the takedown straight away, if you get me, because he's just so used to letting people shoot on him to work it. Mm. Do, do you get what I mean? I there's, a, there's a really famous um, a fighter called uh, Pal Harris, and he's a leg lock artist. 
and that's the thing. He goes in, he locks people like he gets like ankle locks or leg locks, knee bars, and um, and everyone that seems to fight him just goes straight into that position with them because that's all they work their whole camp instead of just working on what they yeah. do well and trying to impose it on him. Chris, I won't lie to you, I'm one of these sickening event junkies who's only jumped on McGregor in the last while since his documentary and his last one or two fights. Where is he vulnerable? What have we not seen from Conor on the biggest stage yet? Well, like, what people haven't seen is what Chad is about to do. So I'm I'm very happy as a training partner of Conor and as a fan of the sport and as a fan of Conor as a fighter, like, that he gets to kind of show that side to everyone now. He's going to be made like a guy who's going to come in and try and wrestle Connor, like that's all he's going to try and do in the fight, and Connor gets to show how good he is there. Because before, this has always been the the tagline from the Americans: "Oh, he's never fought a wrestler." He's, you know this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The Americans live for that stuff. So this is great now for Connor. He gets to show everyone. So it's actually for me, as a fan of the sport, because the hype and all, and because this sounds bad, but because they both speak English, the trash talk is better. <laughs> Obviously, you know, because with Aldo, like. Aldo could barely understand what Connor was saying sometimes, and then he'd be coming back to something Connor had said five minutes ago. You know that kind of way. Yeah. Whereas this is Chad's going back at him and stuff, so it's good on that side, and it's good as a fan of Connor that he gets to show off that side of his game. And you've trained with Connor for many years, as you say. What's he like in the gym? Because we all see the exterior of Connor, we all see the side that he's selling us essentially. But what's he really like? Ah, Connor is a great guy. I know him probably since he's about um, seventeen or so. You know, to be fair to him, like, he's always been cocky. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, confident, confident. And he has backed it up. You know, he has 100% backed it up. But, like, uh, yeah, he's he's kind of kind of similar. Maybe maybe it's a bit, um, maybe it's a bit blown up for the media. Or maybe that's, like, kind of what the media look for off him. You know, that kind of way. Yeah. But he's a great guy and he's kind of, he's doing a lot of good stuff for young guys coming up. I, I have to say, I really like, I don't, I don't have the same approach myself. Like, um, I probably wouldn't be as kind of confident, like, like as brashly confident coming up the fights. But like some, I would say is I think it's great that there's an Irish guy. In, I, I found like something we do as, uh, I don't know if it's the smaller island beside a bigger island or whatever, but we always promote ourselves as the underdogs. Mm. And it's great to see a guy just have all that confidence. I think, anyway, it's great. Like he's just like, no, I'm the best in the world. It's not like, oh well, I'll give him my best shot. That's the usual way, you know. That's what we've done forever. I kind of like that, and I think it might change opinions here in, in Ireland for younger people coming up. And in that regard, that's what makes him very, very likable. Before we move on to Cahill's fight, and of course your own big event coming up, um, what's your prediction for this one? Firstly, do you think Conor will win? And secondly. Could you give me a round? Because obviously he's saying he's going to do this early. But what do you think? Um, I think I think what will happen. This is my opinion. Like from a, from a fan of the sport, I think early on Chad might have a little bit of success, gets taken down, create a few scrambles, and I think around maybe late second, early third round, he'll get caught. Like it'll be a TKO. Okay. What about he'll TKO? What about Kyle Pendridge? You're in his corner for this one. Before we talk about the actual bout itself, talk to me about what you do in the corner. Um, well, for me, it's uh, I, I get to be the punch bag for the night. So I, I like I want call out uh, out the back of me and another guy called Owen Garrity, and uh, so we'll do like different positions. But uh, it's not the nice experience in the world because you're basically he, he's obviously anxiety is building for anyone that fights. Like everyone can say I don't feel anything. Everyone feels the same emotions, the same kind of chemicals in their body. 
And uh, so his anxiety is building the whole time as the fight gets closer. So the shots start to land a little harder. <laughs> and you you can't win, obviously. So you can't fight back, really. You're kind of just trying to give them what, what they call a look in wrestling. You know, you're trying to put them in positions and move around with them and, you know, put them under a bit of pressure. But you don't want to be landing any hard shots around. So you kind of just get beat up for, uh, for long portions of it. And then uh, I'm usually in charge of the playlist out the back. Okay. For for the SVG changing room, which would be like mainly kind of Motown and uh, soul and that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. And is it a careful yeah. balance between riling him up too much and kind of keeping him calm? Yeah, well, Cole's Cole, very good at that himself. But to be honest, all the guys, the guys are so experienced now that you don't really have to worry about that side of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's usually a guy in his first five or six fights. Like, you got to, you know, know what works for him. Some guys like to be really riled up. Some guys like to be calm. But the guys like that would be over, like Connor and Colin and Gunny and stuff. They all know their own ways, and they can control how they get, you know. Um, and they don't need to be like constantly told they're going to win and constantly told they're going to be able to do this and all that kind of stuff. They kind of have all that down. Now it's not Makes long. Life a little easier. It's not long. Yeah, it's not long since Cahill last fought. He won, but he wasn't particularly happy. Is it? Is it advisable? Is it a good thing for him to be back this fast? Yeah, well, we, I was over with Carl in the training camp in Mexico, and you know he he'd gone to a great lot of effort and a great lot of expense to bring a lot of people over to help him get ready for the fight, and he didn't really get the fight he wanted from the night. And he was in such good shape when he came back, and I was training with him a good bit, and he was just like he was flying; he just couldn't get tired, and he had no injuries or anything. So a quick turnover. You know, it's the sensible thing to do, like, because, like, if he takes a break, then he has to build it all back up again for the next one, you know, that kind of way. So yeah. he, if he had a couple of knocks and he was sore or anything like that, I probably would have said to him to leave it and just hang off till October or something. But, uh, you know, where he was at, how he was flying, it made, it made perfect sense to go in and um, just just get straight back in there. He didn't feel like he'd had a fight. Mm. He felt like he'd kind of been robbed of that in the last fight. So, And what's your prediction for this one? Uh, I think Cahill will win uh, by um, by decision or a late submission. Okay. He's got a tough fight. Uh, John Howard is a good guy. has a lot of power. I just think uh, there's some there's some big call. I'd hate to fight him. I've said this down before. I'd hate to fight him. Like he's just. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen him fight a few times. Have you? I have once or twice. Yeah. Yeah, he's just he just like he just keeps coming. <laughs> you know, whatever you do to the guy, he's going to keep coming, and that's that's a nightmare as a fighter, like to have that. You know, against you, it's like the Terminator just keep coming forward, like. So uh, yeah, he's he's a nightmare opponent for guys, and um, and he's tough as hell, and he's got all that drive, and his skill set is just ever improving every time I train with him. He's had to come on another another bit, and I really want him to show that in there this time. I think like this is a great opportunity for him to show that off. Cahill Pendra doesn't talk as much as Conor McGregor. Yes, he's, he's, you know, he's very capable of it. He's a very articulate guy, but he doesn't quite do the, the pizzazz stuff that Conor does. Is that good or bad? Does, does it sometimes take the, the limelight off Cahill when he deserves just as much when you look at his record and where he's come from? Yeah, you know, the, both guys are very similar. I think, I may be wrong, uh, I think Conor has, like, one less fight or the same amount of fights in the UFC, same amount of wins as Cahill and he's fighting for a title. Um, just uh, you know that that's Connor's that's Connor's personality. You know that that's that's how he handles things. And Carl's a very different guy. He probably appeals to like um, different people. You know, he's a kind of quiet guy and just kind of goes it goes about his business, goes goes to work basically. But uh, 
and he, he put like he's a yeah he's a he's a hard grafter in the gym. He kind of gets stuck in all the time. He comes from that rugby background and stuff, so that's kind of bred into him from a young age. Yeah, I think I think it's fair to say maybe that uh, Connor is Roy Keane and Cahill is Dennis Irwin, if that's a fair comparison. That that is a, probably a great comparison. <laughs> yeah, you know, and like the the real fans of the sport will will respect uh, the Carl Pendrys of the world as much as they do the Connors. I don't mean, but like you know, but the everyday guy that watches one or two fights, Connor's always going to grab the headlines and get the you know so get them on board. Like so, yeah. Well, we wish him well next week. He's fighting on the same card as uh, yeah. Conor McGregor. We're really looking forward to that one. Um, talk to me about the event you've got coming up. You're up against uh, Christopher Jacqueline at Bama, Dublin. It's on the uh, 19th of September at the Three Arena. It's a big, big arena. It's an ambitious project. Yeah, it is. Um, I think they've noticed the, the growth of the sport in the country. Um, Bama have. And like the, the UFC was here last year and sold out in minutes. I think it was nearly all. I think nearly all the tickets were gone before they actually went on general sale. Um, so I think Bama kind of recognised that, recognised the hunger for the sport in this country, and are, and are thinking, you know, let's let's put a show on there. And I think people want it. I think it's a good idea, and I, and I really think it can work. Um, they're they're putting together a great card. There's there's myself on it as the co-main event. The main event is a title fight for. Uh, Featherweight, and then lower down the card, there's a like the fight before me is another title fight, and there's a bunch of Irish guys in the card. It's going to be a, a huge night for Irish MMA. Tell me you know, about um, your timeline from here to there. How will you get ready? How will you prepare? Well, this over here, I'll be training in uh, Vegas when I go over, and then obviously helping Kyle prepare. And then when I come home, I'll just kind of that'll be it. Then I'll just concentrate on me. Um, I'll start off doing a lot of kind of like we're always doing the same stuff in the gym anyway you know we always do pretty much same stuff in the gym but I'll do a, a lot more kind of um, explosive training stuff in the Irish Strength Institute just to kind of bring my pounds speed up a couple of notches and uh, I'm still getting, getting a lot of physio because I injured my back a while ago so still keeping tabs on that making sure it doesn't happen again and then as as I get closer say three four weeks before the, the sparring and stuff will go up another notch and the training will change in the ISI. It'll be more about uh, cardio rather than explosiveness and speed. So it'll go down into like they'll be doing things for five minutes at a time. Horrible exercises that no one wants to do yeah. in a car park. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's got to be done running with sleds strapped to you and all this yeah. kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I found the the last uh, training camp I had, I actually, it was, the, it was one of the first times I, I really loved training like, like I used to only want to get through the training to get to the fight because I love the fight part. Do you have to love training because if you make it a chore, then maybe your mind isn't on it and it becomes a negative rather than a positive. And by the time you get to the fight, maybe your mind isn't as focused as it should be. Yeah, I think I kind of find with like with me, I I love training as in. I get to decide I'm going to go over and work on this today. But when you have a fight coming up, you don't really have that. You know, it's more for like for the six or eight weeks before the fight. It's like the, these are the things you have to do each day, and like there's a lot of monotony in it. Like I think, like my wife always jokes because she uh, 
like she thinks like she she chats to people and they think we kind of have this cool rock star lifestyle it's not like that at all it's complete opposite <laughs> we the same foods like I eat the same foods all week and then like so Monday Monday would be something Tuesday would be something different did it all the way through the week and then the next week I just started again you know and I kind of I get I get my food delivered to me by a company I like I, I can't go out and party I can't go out and do anything I gotta go to the gym I gotta work on this yeah like I have to be there I can't miss it you know I can't just go I'm not arsed today because in well in my head all I say to myself right well if I'm not arsed today he's in there grafting that's me getting an extra punch in the face yeah, and how difficult? Like to look at it. How difficult is it not to party when you're in the world's party capital this weekend, Las Vegas? Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I've spent a lot of time in Vegas in my career. I think I'm up to a total of about two and a half months now, altogether. So uh, I think Vegas is a place to go for three or four days, have the time of your life, which all the Irish people are going to do now next weekend, and then go home. <laughs> and I, I kind of I lived there for six weeks once and stuff, so it just doesn't appeal to me the same. So that would be handy. I'd much prefer a few pints in Dublin anyway. Yes. Wouldn't be wouldn't be any problem to me. But the, <laughs> there's going to be serious craziness over in Vegas next weekend. Like the the Irish going nuts. Like and Chris, I'm just, worried. I'm <laughs> worried though because as Irish people, we tend to leave places because it's closing closing at like three a.m. or whatever. Yeah. They don't close in Vegas. So I, I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to like walk out of the hotel on the Sunday and there's going to be people still going from the night before, falling around the place and all, but we'll see how they get on. Should have had fun anyway. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty safe bet. Listen, Chris, yeah. just before I let you go, um, if you were to give me a, a critical path for you for the next year or two, what would it be? Where would you like to be this time next year or maybe even the year after if you want to stretch it that far? Yeah, you know, I've kind of stopped uh, concentrating on that stuff. I'm just kind of, like, I I, I had this for a long time, like right now it's just fighting because I love fighting. So whatever, whatever, I'm just going to fight and have fun. Uh, I'm going to open up a gym soon and stuff like that too. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I do a lot of coaching in SPG, like, and uh, I coach the amateurs from there, all the guys coming up. And then obviously I do the stuff like this with Colin and all the other guys to fight. So it's something I'm going to progress to anyway, but I want to be done fighting when I do that. Okay, Chris, The Killing Fields, thanks for joining us on the Rewind podcast. Enjoy Las Vegas. Best of luck to Cahill and Connor this weekend and yourself in the big event coming up, Bama Dublin, on the 19th of September in the Three Arena. Listen, we might go up to your um, gym and train with you for a day. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. It'd be lovely to have you up with you. As, as a junior, a few things. Good man, as a junior B hurler, I fancy myself as a as a cage warrior potentially in the, in the future. I, I've, I've actually wor- I've worked uh, with um, uh, like a good few GAA guys, like uh, over the time, over the time, like as uh, a coach, I worked with a few guys. Uh, we had Vinnies and all up, like yeah. uh, Saint Vince have been up with us, and they love it. Um, oh, yeah, you obviously know Kieran McGinney trains up there. I do. I, well, I can tell by the arms. Yes. Yeah, and uh, we we like uh, I coached the Kildare team with some MMA stuff before and stuff like that. So okay. it's it's getting really big among the footballers. So you boys need to catch up, like if you're hurling. <laughs> I definitely <laughs> do. Listen, Chris, thanks very much. We'll talk to you Best soon. Best of luck. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. That was Chris, the Killing Fields, Irish MMA fighter, looking ahead to the big fight in Vegas. That's it for this week's Rewind. Ushin will be back in place next week. And remember, you can get in touch on Twitter. I'm Raf. Adios. The Monday Rewind. 